on Facebook. We have this week's Monday Revelations with the Pulp Revelators, and it's no surprise with episode eight of WandaVision in the books that that's the main thing we're talking about tonight, us and the rest of the world. And uh, Marvel made the interesting decision. They've got two episodes left going into this to wrap up a ton of storylines. So what do they do? They go back and they tell the backstory instead of trying to resolve things, which was maybe the most brilliant decision they could have made. Um, is I think everybody cares a lot more now and we've got a lot more blanks filled in. So we'll go around, um, you know, first thoughts on episode eight. Mangold team. I, I just, th I think it's amazing. Like you said, I mean, we've gone from this being this pop culture rabbit, rabbit hole chasing, you know, who's the bad guy, who's there, space engineer, who's the missing person, to now this being this deep dive in this kind of psychodrama. Um, I think, you know, in this episode in particular, and Tim's brought this up in the past about how he's just so glad that Vision's been fleshed out and Scarlet Witch as well. I mean, we're now, Marvel was, hand, you know, they were good at making two and a half hour movies, making them relevant, making them exciting. And now they're handed six hours and they've used that time to develop these characters and make you care a lot more. And uh, I think it's interesting how they've chosen to spend that time. And I think it's exciting because these are now really fleshed out characters going forward that people care about. They're also doing a good job of trolling fans. Because like you said, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, they're a space engineer. That's got to be Reed Richards. And like, you know, you get there and it's like, nope, no, it wasn't. It's actually someone who's nobody. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, they're really doing a good job of like, it, I mean, the, the theater thing, <laughs> that's the biggest troll of the whole entire season because everyone's like, oh, they're introducing the X-Men already. And it's like, no, nope, that's a fake so far. That, that um, might be the biggest troll of the whole MCU. <laughs> yeah, that was big time. I mean, it, like, they've done a really good job of, like, and the, the excitement they've drummed up by throwing these little Easter eggs in there and then turning you completely around with them and everyone just keeps coming back for more. So, yeah, I mean, they, they've done a good job of really keeping that suspense going the entire season. And you wonder if we've been trolled so hard at this point. Now expectations are so low if they're going to come back and, and counterpunch with something, you know, something massive in this final episode. But I'm curious. We'll see. Yeah, like Patrick Stewart shows up at the end or something. <laughs> I know Brandon still feels like the biggest trolling of all is, is yet to happen. <laughs> you care I to explain? I, I think that the Paul Bettany actor that he wants to work with the most is himself. <laughs> and that he was talking about white vision the whole time because he plays white vision and that would be the ultimate troll if that if he really said that just because he has scenes where because like you have to think that they're gonna fight each other right the white vision and the regular vision there's gonna be some kind of fight scene right so 100 percent 
Yeah, we're definitely headed to that. And then if you reread the quote, Brandon read it to me the other day. <laughs> if you reread it under the pretense of British humor, you see where he could absolutely have been uh, referring to himself. It's it's funny because Mark and I were talking and he's like, what if it's James Spader, you know, and he turns into Ultron. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, wait, but it would still be him. Like, no matter who's doing the voice, it would still, because you can't have him turn into, like, fat James Spader coming. Like, that doesn't look threatening, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, I was like, oh, my God, it, it's, it could be him. It could be this him. There's got to be something else, too, though, right? Well, I mean, I, I would think it's, well, and you've got, <laughs> since we're on, the most it'll be is a tie-in. I think the most that we'll see as far as a, unknown character would maybe be a tie-in to uh dr strange that's that's what makes the most sense at this point they have so much ground to cover in this last episode and we know that it's supposed to lead into these next few projects particularly strange so i i think you may see benedict cumberpatch well separately then elizabeth olsen said there's a luke skywalker moment right <laughs> Yeah, and true to form with uh, episode seven, it'll be a 10-second you know, appearance at the back at the end of the episode with him just staring blankly at a lightsaber. So, <laughs> no words, <laughs> just staring. At, at this point, if Doctor Strange doesn't show up, he's not doing his job, right? This, this entire magic universe is erupting from Westview. He's the Sorcerer Supreme. He's supposed to be on top of this stuff. You know? And he's right in New York. He's right in New York. It's happening right in his backyard in Jersey. That connects back to Spider-Man, right? Because when Spider-Man asks, is it, is it happy that he, like, or no, it's Fury. He's like, why can't Doctor Strange do this or whatever? When they're, they're, they're well, it's not really Fury. We, you know, we find out it's a scroll. But when he's trying to not do whatever they want him to do. He's like, where are the Avengers? Where's Dr. Strange? And they say something to the effect of like, he's tied up or he's busy with something. So I, I took it as this is the thing that he's going to be busy with, but we know Marvel, there could be some other reason why he, you know, like, I, I don't know. And Fury, that Fury, the scroll, and also the real Fury is working for S.W.O.R.D. Right. Yep. Yes. And also, that Spider-Man movie takes place five months after WandaVision. Oh, that's so right. When they right. say that, he's actually could be tied up with all this magic stuff at the time. Right, because they're not there yet. Right, that right. makes sense. Yeah, you got, we were talking White Vision a little bit. You know, so that you've got the scene where Wanda's with the body in the sword, you know, headquarters. And she says, I can't feel you. So that body has nothing of vision left in it, I don't think. And she conjures her own vision up. So you feel like that vision is not going to be vision. Like there's, it's, it's going to be some alternate vision that's going to be not good news. Mur murder machine mission or vision. Murder machine vision. <laughs> right. <laughs> you feel like this is kind of a reversal of Tom King's vision, where vision created his own family, but... Instead, Scarlet Witch has created a vision that isn't quite connected. He's trying to figure out his origin. Ooh. It's kind of a reversal of, of, of the roles that Tom King gave us in vision. And it's really clever. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a great thought, Tim. I, I Googled a little bit about the white vision and it said that, he, you know, essentially it was dismantled, re, re, you know, put together by Hank Pym with zero emotions, zero memory, zero. Yeah, it's going to be a scary vision, I feel. But is the, is the vision Wanda's created, does it exist on a plane strong enough to take over the vision body that's been repaired? That's a really good question. That's interesting to think about. And that's like, that's where you get like this Twilight Zone kind of 50-50. If they want to do a happy ending, then yeah, this vision that she's brought back to life, whatever form he is, now he has a body to leave that barrier where before he, you know, he, he's tied to inside. Sad ending that doesn't quite happen or he becomes a complete new being that doesn't remember and all that. And you have to go through that whole journey. Cause um, you know, I mean, obviously in the, in, in the burn story and, and uh, vision quest, that's what happened. He became this new version of the vision that had no, none of his emotions, none of any of that. And um, slowly but surely over the years with different writers who wanted to bring them back together, you know, the vision became the vision again. So they could end it in that way where he's this new entity that's not quite the original vision before, which would also go along with how he was created in MCU. He's a combination of the Mind Stone, Jarvis, and this body that was created for him. So, you know, he, he's a he's an he's a amalgated psyche to begin with. So um yeah, it's interesting, but then again, you know, they could just turn it completely on its ear and just do something that none of us are anticipating. And that's what I think is so interesting. One of the interesting things about this story, I mean, you almost have this kind of classic romance, you know, Romeo and Juliet, West Side Story, two lovers you can't be together, you know, in, the, in this case, because you have a robot and a witch. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, there there's this tragic element to it. And you're right, they've give, given themselves an out now with this new vision that they could bring him back to life if they want to. And it's Disney and it's Marvel and they may do that. But I have a funny feeling this is going to be a heartbreaking, ripping episode. Well, they can do, they can do the heartbreaking thing and they've created a storyline they can revisit later. Yep. You know, with Wanda having the power to bring vision to life and with the fact that his body's made of vibranium, I mean, you've got, you've got a lot going on. Um, so if it ends horribly now, if they decide that the storyline, there's more to that storyline and, and there's more to Paul Bettany's portrayal of vision, that they get to come back later and revisit that without even having to plan it right now. And I kind of hope they don't. I mean, I, you know, James Gunn had a quote a couple of weeks ago on Twitter where he was like, you know, the comics kind of lost me in general. He's a guy, you know, for those who don't know, he directed Guardians of the Galaxy. He's doing the Suicide Squad. And he's like, I, you know, the comics kind of lost me because in general, because they keep bringing everyone back to life. And one of the things I think that resonates with the MCU is the stakes are high. Now, granted, they've brought a lot of people back to life. I mean, Loki and Gamora and half the universe, half the universe, <laughs> half the universe they brought back to life. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Lord of the night. yeah, but I, you know, it would be 
to me, I, I like the fact that they've raised the stakes and, you know, Vision may not, they may not get back together and Tony Stark may not come back and Captain America is probably not going to return in the classic form that we're used to. And that's one of the things that makes the MCU interesting and keeps it relevant to me as opposed to kind of the more soap opera and comic book kind of aesthetic where everyone comes back, you know. This has been kind of difficult because Marvel has spent so long intertwining all these storylines and building them that to lose all these major players back to back to back to back as a fan, you've got to come into the movies, the next set of movies thinking we're starting fresh. You you've got Spider-Man as like the, the, the anchor and these other entities that we kind of know of are going to have to be fleshed out a little bit more and they're going to give us new characters, but you got to, create a new mindset like you can't plan on this being a continuing story where it's almost like the comic books where they go ah, reset and at the same time it's smart because they're you know i mean robert downey jr can't play this part for that that part forever and they got to kind of it's 12 you know they're 12 years in at this point and they got to keep it's they're not the simpsons right they can't like just stay the same age forever and it, i think it's great that they're turning it over and they've done a great job with it so far and i suspect all those guys will be back in bit parts going forward particularly if sales start to drop but um you know they're, they're, it's it's amazing the way they've continued this run for sure i mean this year alone we're gonna get dozens of new characters right. if if not a <laughs> hundred characters i mean there's so many especially for someone like me who doesn't read the comic there's i don't know who half of these people are these movies that are coming out but they build enough equity now that I'll just go to see whatever it is. You know what I mean? But like, I, I got to tell you when guardians came out, that was something that I was like, what is that? Like, I, I, I didn't see it. And I, I watched it uh, on DVD and I realized I made the biggest mistake ever. <laughs> and I've gone to see everything since, even if I thought it looked kind of bad, like Ant-Man was an example of that. I was like, I don't know about that. And that was, that's like one of my favorite marvel movies now so now, now i'm just in like eternals i don't know what that is let's do it i'm in <laughs> it is funny especially with the guardians thing because they're, they're taking characters that are like are in the comics over the years have been minor characters that have appeared here and there and now they're big names like you know rocket raccoon has been around since the early 80s he appeared briefly in a hulk comic and then had his own limited series and then just faded into obscurity until uh the early aughts and then he came back in the guardians of the galaxy comic but he still it wasn't like this huge character now like every kid has like a rocket raccoon toy somewhere in their house so um, and it's bradley cooper's voice exactly right. Exactly. And Vin Diesel just saying, I am Groot. That dude got paid yeah. million bucks to stand in front of a microphone and say, I am Groot. Which is incredible, right? Like, exactly. I, I, I'm like, I just, you know. Yeah, I could have done that. But um, yeah, for, for all the people that were like, they they did this just for a fake Pietro. Well, they also got Vin Diesel to say, I am Groot. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, and they keep dropping hints about the uh, Netflix properties. I mean, he... The, you know, he, he keeps saying not to rule it out, not don't rule it out. So if he's saying that, they have plans, obviously. Please. Uh, those, those, Daredevil specifically was right, so right. good. Like they have to break. And that guy was so, like Charlie Cox is so good. They need to incorporate him for sure. Mm -hmm. 
and then you have Shang Chi coming out. That's like there. There's probably like outside of me. No, <laughs> there's not that many people that even know who Shang Chi is. I mean, and he was created basically to be the Marvel Universe's Bruce Lee, and the creators actually envisioned Bruce Lee playing him. So it's kind of like, you know, and they've chosen him to make a movie about, like one of the big, large budget films about. So it's, man, it, it's going to be incredible. You're absolutely right. Like this, if they decide to do an Avengers film with like all this new cast, you have She-Hulk, Shang-Chi, um, you know, mm -hmm. Black Knight's going to be in the Avengers. He was a member, he and Cersei were a member of the Avengers. I mean, there's, or eternals and, and don't forget moon knight moon knight yeah you have a yep. crazy amount of characters that they're about to enter drop on all of us within the next few years and still a spider-man to anchor it you know so i mean like they they're definitely set up well and of course in marvel fashion didn't the director of eternals win best director last night in the golden globes for nomadland chloe yep. zhao so i mean of course they're right on i mean they're right in front of everything i mean it's incredible i mean they just have that totally teed up and you know, and everyone and the early response to that movie apparently is incredible. The, the well, it's like it's like Brandon was saying, if they've earned enough equity, not with just a viewer, but with also the Hollywood stars, mm -hmm. that that you'll get this star power to sign on, knowing yeah. knowing they're going to make a quality movie that's going to be a box office success. So, uh, to that point, any did they uh, they went other than Mark watched the Golden Globes. It was <laughs> kind of boring, but the big takeaway for me was like. I was trying to count how many MCU connected people were nominated or pre prominently featured or it was so many. I mean, I was, I was like, this is great. Like I, like I kept saying to Tracy, I was like my wife and she, she's not really into the whole thing, but she's well, was like, that person's going to be in a Marvel. I'm like, yeah. Like someone won. Um, I don't remember who it was, but someone literally won like best supporting actress or actor or something. And I was like, that person's going to be in, you know, a Marvel movie. And Tracy was like, really? You know, like she couldn't believe it. They could it is it was something, you know? They could literally have won most unlikely to be in an MCU movie in the following week. They would have a contract to be in an MCU movie. <laughs> yeah. you, you've even had, I mean, you've had people that have even like been like, oh, I would never do one of those movies. They're horrible. And next thing you know, they're like, yeah, I decided to do it now. Because it is, it's no longer like, you know, just the big kiddie shows. I mean, it still is, it's still great for kids, but you have actual like established creators that are making these things. And when, when Martin Scorsese directs a Daredevil film, I'll be the best point. The Nero playing Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> the don't forget, it's coming. Don't forget James so, Cameron is hoping that we tire of superhero stories. Right. So, so let's go backwards to move forwards in the same way that this episode did and stay on awards ideas. When Mark and I were talking on Friday, one of his first comments was, Elizabeth Olsen should win an Emmy for her role in Scarlet, as Scarlet Witch. Yep. And after this last episode, and really the whole series, I'd say, yeah. You know, I mean, she has been, she's definitely dwarfed her older sisters. <laughs> Got it, yeah. dude. I, I think I mean they've asked a lot of her. Dude, right. They've asked a lot of her in this series. I mean, it's it's you know, they've asked her to be funny, they've asked her to really dive deep into this. And you know, that wasn't 
you know, the last episode was great. It's not the deepest dive that you're going to get into grief and emotional struggling. And I totally get that, but they've asked so much of her, you know, she did a spot on Julie Bowen. I mean, they, she nailed that in the modern family episode. She's transitioned in each of these episodes perfectly. I mean, she nailed the fifties, she's nailed the sixties and she's also pulled off this emotional edge to the character and a menacing edge. And they've asked a lot of her, and time and time she's delivered it. You know, I'm not saying that she will win it or that she should win. I don't know. Of course, we don't know who else will be nominated or for what work, but it's an Emmy caliber performance. So is Catherine Hahn, in my opinion, as well. Yeah. I think it was, it's going to come down to if, you know, how they're weird, whether like what percentage they have to dominate the show to be actress versus supporting actress. I think it, honestly, it's going to come down to that because if they're both in supporting actress, they'll probably cancel each other out um, if in favor of something else. But if she's an actress and Catherine Hahn is left in supporting actress, I think that's a shoe in. I don't know who's beating that. In well, it's also, but it's also a short run. It's a nine episode run. And a lot of, I mean, you're going to get these HBO series thrown in the mix. There are 12 and 14 episodes and you're going to get the walking dead in the mix, which is on their grand finale. I mean, you're, you're right. It's worthy, but like, like Mark already said, who knows what work we're going to see this year. I, I think that I honestly think we're going to see a lot of great work this year because a lot of writers, a lot of directors and a lot of producers have been able to go back to the drawing board because of COVID and refine everything they're working on. We still have, we still have stranger things coming at us. You know, there's there's a bunch of projects that are out there, and, and there's many I don't know about that I think we're going to see some of Hollywood's best, you know, artistic work in 2021. And, that, and that said, I think they're more likely to lose out on nominations to the bias against superhero movies than they are to like actual competition from people. I mean, I, I think right. these will both be, you know, uh, uh, Emmy award winning caliber performances, but I would be shocked if they got nominated. Well, yeah, I don't and, know how they're. I don't know how they're going to beat the reboot of Saved by the Bell on HBO Max. I mean, <laughs> Tim, to your point, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a limited run series, right? So, right. That that's either that's either a strength or a hindrance depending on the year. Like, if if it's like your typical year, I mean, they'll win everything because there's only so many of those. You know what I mean? And right. and of, of the only so many, only so many are good. But lately, that's been almost like the replacement for a film, like for a property that someone's like, hey, this book's really good. That People don't care about movies anymore. That's turning into like a six to nine episode limited run series on HBO or something. So yeah. it just depends on, at least that's the stuff we've been watching a ton of. is Queen's like Gambit and stuff like that. The big, big Little Lies. And, um, and like you've already said, yeah, there's... Yeah, there's so many Marvel projects that come out this year that this this is really the ground laying project for everything we're about to see. And this is just chapter one of a large Marvel project. And I wonder if, if unfortunately, it doesn't get lost in the in the sauce over the next you know 12 months. Yeah, I'm actually a little concerned that nothing else is going to live up to it. I mean, like, oh, no, I, that Winter Soldier just looks phenomenal it, it, the but buddy wonder, cop i'm ready for buddy cop i'm ready to like get back to like the <laughs> 80s style just blow everything up movie it's gonna be great <laughs> that, that's what it looks like for sure i'm tired of drama i'm tired of mystery 
Because everything has this long drawn out, who's it going to be? And I hope that they just come in yeah. and just blow everything up. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm wondering in terms of WandaVision, right? That's they give they have a little bit of depth and breadth to move in, in their roles and actors. Whereas I feel like Falcon Winter Soldier is just going to be throttled down and have fun. Right. Know? And that's good. But well, in this last episode, uh, see, you know, episode eight, Vision gave us some very ins superb insight, you know, and you've seen the memes around over the last week about some of his one-liners and, and, you know, it's that character's really been fleshed out by the writing, by the directing and by the acting. And they've done a great job with him. I, I think when you're talking about screen time, vision won't have enough screen time to really qualify for anything Emmy wise, but the series itself at least deserves a look. Yeah. By the way, I like uh, I think it was Michael, you saying we got, you know, with this, we got WandaVision, then we got Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's going to be like the action. And then Loki's just going to make your head hurt because it's going to be, <laughs> I just feel like that show is going to be so much with the, the with uh, the concept of it, that it, that's the one where we're going to come on here and be like, what happened? Yeah, but I, but I think it's just going to be. I think it's just going to be fun with with Owen Wilson chasing him down, and man, it's it's just going to be hilarious. And apparently, Owen Wilson learned about the Marvel Universe from Tom Huddleston. So well, that's horrible because they're gonna they're gonna be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I will go back to Wandavision with um an interesting thing, and they've been playing it up in the recent X Men comics. They've been referring to the mutants is witch breed mm -hmm. and um if you remember correctly um agatha at the beginning her powers were inherent like she learned some of it but it was she was born to this mm -hmm. same thing with wanda so um they could be still playing up the whole mutant thing she said that you know the mind stone didn't create wanda like they thought it did it just reawakened something that was already there so um, I thought that was a major turning point in that last episode that they kind of retconned and changed that she got her powers from being tortured by Hydra to that she had them all along and the and the Mind Stone just awakened it. I mean, I think that definitely opens the door to the mutant world. Well, and, and I think that I don't know if it'll be relevant later, but what I keyed on with that was in the current X-Men run, they're classifying the mutants differently and you have a magic which breed type crew that apocalypse is running and i wonder if that won't be a setup later for speaking of mutants yeah the her balls are going off i wonder if that won't be a, a something later it'd be cool if it was i don't care if it isn't but to me it just kind of because i'm reading the current stuff it made me think well one thing that occurred to me as, as we're listening to Agatha walk Wanda back through her history and back through her trauma and back through her, you know, because the first thing she says, Agatha says is, when I sense this place, the afterglow of so many spells cast at once, you know, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. I, I didn't know what was going on. So she goes to investigate. Then she finds out like, you know, She's, I think, concerned for the state of magic and who has the most of it and, and what's going on here. Now, she killed a dog. She killed witches. We've seen, like, she's definitely not a good guy, but I'm not convinced she's as bad as we might think yet. 
She also kind of reminded me of, um, you just reminded me, Mike, it's completely different from what you were saying, because what I'm about to say is she could be really bad. Um, she reminded me of um, the mutant Selene <laughs> in the X-Men comics. Um, she basically absorbs life forces and becomes more powerful and younger again. And it's kind of like what she did at the beginning. Like they yeah. turned into that dry husk that uh, you see Selene's victims do in the X-Men comics. Yeah, but, was like, hmm. So the question for me is, did Agatha just kind of sneak in under the radar? You know, or was she sent and is, does she still have a team behind her? Because in the past she's worked with other characters. I just don't know. It's, it's, they have a lot of fun they can have with it. Yeah. I'm not, you know, unless she, it turns around that, you know, she brings Sparky back to life and that was all an illusion and she's been torturing Wanda to, uh, to try to get the real story on what's going on with her magic, I, uh, you know, bad is as bad does, I guess, to quote, to, <laughs> to take a Forrest Gump line and whatever. But I mean, she's killed a dog. She's held the two kids kidnapped. She killed the seven witches. I think she's bad. You know, that's not to say Wanda's excuse. I mean, she's held an entire town hostage for however long, you know, the hex has been open, but um I, you know, I, I see what you're saying, Mike. I definitely think she may come back more towards the center of good and evil and try to convince Wanda to run off with her and become a team. Because in the comics, right, my understanding is like Agatha is her mentor, right? I mean, isn't that the way that's always broken down? In the regular comics, um, in the Ultimate Universe, she was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who went after... Um, I mean, she was a bad guy who was posing as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who went after the Fantastic Four, and she was young, like in the uh, WandaVision. Um, and the comic, she's very, very old. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, in the regular Marvel comics. So, but again, I, I, I feel like every prediction I make is incorrect every week. So, because uh, <laughs> I'm going from the basis of the comics, and they're like, we're going to pepper that in there, but we're going to go completely different with it. So. Well, I hope whatever they do, they're not done with her. She's been a fun character and she's so far underdeveloped because there's a lot more we can learn about her. And I think that she has a place in the future of the Marvel MCU. And that's an actress I want to watch more and more of for sure. Yeah. I mean, she's just been incredible in this series. I think she's Wolverine in disguise. And I think Tim made the point last week Right. I think I think Tim has made the point that we're not going to resolve every storyline during this season. There's a lot more going on that is going to finish. It's just going to launch us into different places. So I think we'll get some resolution. So with that, you know, I, we'll go around the screen. What do you think is getting resolved next week? Or, or what do you, what, or what do you want to see out of the ending? I think it leaves on a cliffhanger. I, I think that's absolutely where they have to go. I think we're going to have some type of final direction for the vision issue. But I think as far as Scarlet Witch goes, I think it's going to be a cliffhanger. You know, it, she's, she's teetering on the edge of, of a complete mental breakdown. And when someone that powerful has, is in a dangerous situation like that, what are they capable of? And I think that's where they're going to leave us. Yep. I'm still trying to figure out who the uh, witness is in relocation. <laughs> yeah. Way back when. Um, 
I can't see that just being something Good that you added in for, for those, those spikes there. So, you know, it would be kind of neat if fake Pietro was the witness and like seemingly no one worth anything. And then the mid credit scene was who he really is over. You know, like if if he's someone important, but that mid credit scene to me is going to be something really, really high value. Um, I I think as far as what I you know think is going to happen, I mean, I, obviously we're going to see a resolve of the hex. I think that has to go away, right? I mean, like there there has to be some resolve of that particular situation. Past that, I don't think we're getting much of a resolve in the way of you know we all know that this is feeding into a a big you know feature film so i think we might know better about whose side who's on maybe but that's yeah. maybe that's maybe also, it. that's also part of the genius of it too because when these other shows come out and when these other movies come out you're going to have to go back and, and re-watch segments of wandavision and all these other shows and then say ah that's what they were talking about Oh, oh, one last thing, by the way. Does anybody else think that they said that so much so that we forgive them for however this ends? Like, hey, th- th- this is leading into this movie. Like, I feel like they've gone a little heavy on that publicly. Like, hey, this is going, remember, this is going into a movie. Like, so that, that makes me feel like this ending is going to be like a much bigger cliffhanger than any of us maybe are thinking. I also, the, a, a really telling statement Kevin Feige made was, uh, you know, when he did that investor day or whatever that was recently, he said that he, they had to make the movies digestible. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but for people who watched WandaVision and also for people who didn't. And I think that's something they struggle with, which is why I'm a little bit hesitant to think there's going to be a massive reveal of anything other than just a really big cliffhanger in this thing i mean i you know i'm most looking forward when i look at mike when i look at your picture i mean i kind of get this dr manhattan feel from white vision the way they yeah. made this you know um to seeing where we end up with the vision i mean is he is he is the good vision who's the fake vision gonna die or is the real vision who's the bad vision and that's really confusing is he gonna live how are they gonna play this out you have these two characters i feel like we're headed towards a really epic tragic depressing infinity war style ending here that gets resolved in spider-man and then you know eventually in doctor strange right but i'm most excited just to see where they leave us i mean at this point i have zero expectation and i'm kind of in their hands as a viewer and happy to just kind of go along for the ride i mean what brooks what are you excited about everything (laughs) (laughs) just say in the end right Mm -hmm. yeah so I gotta think we're gonna get vision versus vision. I think we're gonna get a Mephisto reveal at the end. I don't think he's gonna have much to do with this, but I think moving forward, he's gonna be one of the big bads. Um, and I guess there's some part of me would love a Reed Richards throw in in there somehow, just kind of mentioned or something, you know, so we get an. I, I'm, still, I'm holding out that we're gonna get the Fantastic Four's Lost in Space mid-credits scene well this is that they teased in the first episode or in the first episode with what's and by the way sorry tim uh who is hayward yeah 
No, this is going to be one of those uh, Captain America Stan Avengers things. We're, they're going to tease us the Fantastic Four for a good eight or nine projects before we finally get any. And like Thanos leaking in slowly. Yep. Just, I agree with you. I think we get a piece of it. I think we might get the 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 information that there's four astronauts trapped in space. We're not going to see them. I think we might get a logo. We might get a four logo. We might get a some kind of mutant mention. But I agree with you, Tim. I think we're going to get the equivalent of Thor's hammer at the end of this, and that's going to be about it. Yeah. I wouldn't be. Would you uh, say, uh, oh, sorry, Brooks. Go ahead. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow there the Fantastic Four is mentioned in Spider Man three. Yeah, it seems more like a logical place for them, yeah. particularly historically with the comics. When when you said they're going to be the people who bought the Avengers Tower, maybe. Could be the people that bought Avengers Tower. You're right. When you said you think you're going to see Mephisto. Do you think he's going to be somebody we saw already? It would make sense, right? Yeah, I mean, he'll have to be. It, it'll That'll be a wow reveal. I mean, I don't think Mephesto's just going to, like, the curtain's going to, like, fade away and you'll see him kind of snickering. I I think, and I don't think, I don't think you'll see him. Maybe you'll see someone wearing something like he wears and you kind of go, what's that? I Marvel's too clever for all of us. That's all. That's, I'm along the ride. Is coming. Doctor Strange has to be in this last episode. <laughs> I, I want to give a shout out to my wife who uh, who found the Nick Scratch, daughter of Agatha Harkness, or son of Agatha Harkness, who may be the rabbit senior Scratchy. She uh, yeah. is pretty convinced of that. She's not a comic book fan at all, but she woke me up at 1130 last night to tell me that she thinks that the rabbit is uh, going to be Agatha's son, Nick Scratch. So there's that Mark, there seems to be a theme of you being woken up by your family members <laughs> the reality is i wake them all up and i don't i don't like to tell that part you know but who do you guys think hayward is who do we I think, think hayward is? i think he's a self-serving government agent yeah it's it you're going to get into as you go into winter soldier you're going to get more into the government affairs of things and you it, it just makes sense that the government's going to be interfering. They've been trying to be in the in the superhero world for a long time. We know that going into the mutant world, they're going to dive into that the government's going to have to run interference on a lot of things for there to be adversarial issues. And Hayward's just a he's just a putz being played very well. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I could be wrong about that. Like Gary said, next week all my theories are gone. <laughs> Thanks, Marvel. I have the same theory about him. I, I think he's too obvious at this point um, to be anything than what he is. Because they've really played up what a schmuck he is. So at this point, if they're like, and he's the big bad, I think that's too obvious. I, and I don't I don't think Agatha's the big bad either. I think there's something else waiting in the wings that's been orchestrating it all. And that's where we're going to kind of, and that's where we'll head into the Doctor Strange yeah, a multiverse of madness things. They'll be chasing whatever that is. But where do you guys think Monica Rambeau ties in all of this? We forgotten character and all that. I think this is more of an origin story for her. This is this is her getting her powers, and she's going to have to figure them out. And I think in the next Captain Marvel, you're going to see that being fleshed out a little bit better. 
Yeah, how quickly we forget we spent this in, you know, because she wasn't in the last episode. We spent this right. entire episode not talking about her. And I think she's going to be the major force driving this episode. I mean, she's going to be certainly one of them. Uh, by the way, Mark mentioned something that I thought was a really good theory, which is that we think the major was nobody, but the major definitely could be a scroll because mm. that, th that to me makes perfect sense and is actually a good use of something that could be used poorly if, if used too much and, or, and too often but that to, that makes more sense to why it was someone that we don't because I, I don't like when they i don't like i don't like the overuse of that convention to be important people but when it's not an, an important person i think that's a great use of that of, of and and the connection to rambo makes sense yeah, they, keep hinting, they keep hinting at a foundation for secret wars so i mean they have a lot of room to work with yeah i mean the th one of the theories is that the that major whatever her name was that made the car was this young scrawl child from captain marvel grown up playing that major part the other theory i keep saying is that ah. hayward is actually kang the conqueror <clears throat> trying to get a hold of you know the murder machine vision and so i've, I've seen those two theories neither of those are my own but i i the scroll one being the young child scroll makes a lot of sense and kind of plays into how they reacted towards each other yeah i like that's a that definitely a thought and I, I agree with you john i think monica rambo definitely played a big part in the last episode she's got to just just to someone brought up Hayward and we kind of went off to something else, but a thought I had was with Hayward is did anybody else? Cause I, I don't buy that. This is just something that was lazily done. I kind of, I, I kind of was surprised at Hayward not being scared of Wanda, hmm. whatever she came into the sword thing. And like, I'll just let her go, let her in. Like he, I felt like he felt a little too comfortable to me. Well, I, I think that he's an intelligent person and he has a good read for the trauma that she's going through. He's manipulating that. I, I, sure, but I everybody think, said he's a schmuck too. So I, I, I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> like who's, the, the general who ended up becoming the secretary of state in the MCU. Robert Redford. Oh uh, yeah, no, Robert Redford. No, not Redford. The one that that created the, Ross. yeah, Ross. I mean, think about his origin through the MCU, how he was attached to the Hawk and he's just, he's steadily, you see his career steadily moving up and he's steadily becoming that interference person. And I think that there is going to be a, a, a cadre of government agents that are gonna be standing, you know, Steve Rogers is gone, Tony Stark is gone. Anyone who can really stand up and fight and has a position of fighting for his superheroes is not there. They're all kind of running amok and doing their own thing. It's it's going to be where the government really has a chance to take advantage of that. And that's, you know, Fury's in space. There's so many pieces that aren't there on behalf of the superheroes that I think that I think he plays into that. So do you think and he creates AIM for that purpose? Is that isn't that what AIM uh, sort of is? is AIM's like, already there. Uh, yeah. It came in. It was um, in Iron Man 3. Oh, my, my favorite one. <laughs> that, actually, that actually is my favorite one. I love that one. Um, but the uh, here's my thing with um, what's his face that we're talking about? Um, Hayward. Hayward. He, he to me he can't be too much because he needed Wanda 
to get the vision up and running again. If he was Mephisto, he'd have had the power to do it himself. Mm-hmm. If he was a scrawl, he probably would have had the technology to do it himself. If he was Kang, he would have just went back in time <laughs> or forward in time and gotten what he needed. That's a good point. So he was highly <laughs> reliant. I mean, he couldn't even get the Brandon, vision up Brandon, and running. But... Go ahead, Mike. Right. But Brandon, to your point also, he's not just not scared of Wanda. He provokes her. Right. You know, by saying, Wanda, vision isn't yours. He doesn't belong to you. Like, you know, so, but but in retrospect, you see, he needed their her power. He needed her to use her power so that they could harness that to then recharge vision. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a weird scene. Do we think we see him past this show? I yeah. think he's going to show up again. I I, I kind of agree with Tim. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him in uh, the, the Winter Soldier series. Right. Feels like where he would show up. He's yeah. a good piece for all these these series. You yeah. know, he's to kind of be in the background pushing things. And you can see S.W.O.R.D. kind of being a bigger, it's a growing thing. Mm-hmm. You could almost see a Coulson, Hayward, Jimmy Woo, Darcy TV show, you know, something like that. And this is their chance to bring back Coulson. Yep. Into the MCU proper. And and speaking of Jimmy Woo, I love I love that character. Mm-hmm. Smart yeah, funny. Characters will carry over from here. Yeah. I like how he doesn't. He's not prideful. You know, he's he knows what his limits are. He's willing to work on a team, and he's willing to let other people's strengths play out when he knows he can't handle something. And I, I like, he's a, str- he's a strong character and he can become a stronger leader for, from the human side of things as it progresses. So you can bet we will have um, a whole lot to say next week after we see what resolves and what doesn't. And, um, you know, we'll see where WandaVision leaves us. Uh, so make sure you look for that part of us next week. Um, we'll touch on a couple other things here on the, the, the uh, comic book front. Um, there's a couple big things coming out this week. So DC finishes up their future state and Infinite Frontier starts. So they're getting ready to shift gears. Then you've got um, Keanu Reeves's big comic, Berserker, coming out, which is like, you know, has had more pre-sales than anything in recent memory. Um, and then you've got a new independent um, creator owned by Scott Snyder called Noctera um, that's debuting. Anything that you guys are looking forward to this week? Nah. I'm super pumped with Infinite Frontier that there's a, apparently a heavy Justice Society of America. I'm a huge Earth 2 fan, Justice Society of America, All-Star Squadron. I love both those things. And the fact that they're going to be featured heavily in this comic book make i'm hoping they come back and get their own series that would be awesome but uh i think that's what i'm most excited about seeing i'm excited about that um i'm i've gotten sucked into the new batman run i I, i'll admit it i i picked up a few issues of it and i was like oh that's really good i I love that for you this week what's that (laughs) I left that for you this week. <laughs> I mean, even like the next Batman was great, and I'm glad to see that that's continuing. I hope Ridley does more work, but um, 
James Tynion's um, Batman run. Like I went back and kind of uh, caught up with it a little bit. Um, some of the issues, if you're trying to get hard copies, good luck. They're sold out because he keeps creating these new characters that take off, which is amazing. Um, you know, he, he's created like five different characters so far, if not more. And each and every one of them, their first appearance, their issues have sold out. And it's like, this guy's only appeared once so far in the entire storyline. So, um, but it is actually, it's a, it's a really good run. And um, from reading some of the solicits, it's tying into that uh, next Batman future state storyline with the magistrate. So, um, you know, it, that was one of the things that I really liked about the next Batman, besides the fact that it was, you know, a completely different um, Batman, but it, it, the whole uh, Gotham in future state was, you know, it, it kind of harkened back to Batman year one, where Batman was essentially the invasive species in Gotham um and the police were like you know no mercy I mean there's a scene in a uh, year one where he's trapped in a building and SWAT is literally trying to take him out and coming close closer and closer and that's kind of how it was with uh future state I mean he was up against this well-armed militia that basically just came into Gotham and was like we're gonna take over Thanks for uh, playing along, police officers, but you're not doing a good job, so we're going to take care of your vigilante problem. And basically, we're pretty good at it. And so it's just seeing, just potentially seeing that develop and continue, I, I think that's just a great storyline. Awesome. Tim, I know we've got some King and Black stuff coming out. I'm not entirely sure what is coming out. I know the Thunderbolts number three of three is dropping. Right. Um, that's interesting because they started off the first one talking about the discussing the end. Like they're now they're telling the backstory of what happened over the last 24 hours. And that's where this takes place. So, you know, Kingpin's already in, in, in issue one has said everybody's dead. So does that really play out that way or not? And I, I got to tell you, I don't really pay attention to villains too much. They're kind of a dime a dozen. But to use the villains as the good guys, which we've seen before with with Suicide Squad and such. But, you know, these aren't even mainstream bad guys, except for uh, um, Taskmaster. Yeah, you know, Taskmaster. I mean, it's, so I'm looking forward to that. I don't know what else is coming out with King of Black. I know there's a um, there's a booklet coming out that kind of like a guide a handbook. Yeah. The Thunderbolts from the issue, the, I've only read the first issue of it so far, but it, it seems like a really good mashup of Suicide Squad and the Usual Suspects. Yeah. Uh, That's just a way to how it started, it reminded me of the yeah. Usual Suspects a lot. And they apparently they're going to stay together past, past King and Black. They're supposed yeah, to have a series on the other side. I found it really interesting when they were recruited or forced into this position by the Kingpin. He's lecturing them about it's time for you to do some good in your life like <laughs> what <laughs> like he, he's done nothing but destroy people but now he's the mayor and he's got this it's not a fake life anymore he's changing into this person who still has a compunction to just do what he wants to do what needs to be done as opposed to listening to people but it's just interesting to hear him lecture someone about doing the right thing 
I don't think Brooks is buying this Kingpin's a good guy thing. <laughs> smart man, Brooks. Smart man. <laughs> so, so a fair amount of things, and we'll see what Keanu Reeves is is uh, up to in comics. And Berserker, uh, that's right. Right. So, um, and maybe we'll do an Infinite Frontier review at some point. I think that'd be fun since we're starting a new DC kind of thing. And speaking of DC, I think we've got time for maybe one um, news or rumor. And the biggest one that was non-Marvel this week was that uh, Tahanasi Coates and J.J. Abrams are rebooting Superman in the films. And so what do we think about that? I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I think they had, reading some of the rumors, um, they of course, because it's Coates, um, they're saying that a lot of the rumors is he could be doing like the Calvin Davis Superman um, from an alternate Earth. And, you know, they're playing up these alternate dimensions and multiverse storylines everywhere now. Um, you know, it's not just Marvel. I mean, DC was the original multiverse. I mean, they, they coined the term. They did it all. And they just did their big multiverse crossover this past year on TV was it 2020 or was it before they did the crisis? It was Internet? 2019. Okay, yeah, because 2020 was a dumpster fire. So 2019, um, and I mean, they they like, I think in the final episode, they like pulled every one of their TV, even the movie universes, like uh, the Flash from the TV show met the Flash from Justice League, the movie. Um, they met up with the Titans and Doom Patrol. Like, so they, they basically tied all their properties. They said that they all exist in the same multiverse together so um i don't where <laughs> i don't even know where i was going <laughs> um but anyway dc has tied it all together um so no since they're doing a multiverse i can see um that this becoming part of that because or something similar to what they did with the joker i don't know if they would make it part of a mainstream superhero universe yet i i, I don't in fact you know what Again, WandaVision has completely broken my confidence in making any predictions. I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm sure it's probably going to be really good. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm I'm 60-40 in favor of J.J. Abrams. I mean, I, I, I'm not a big fan of some of the stuff he's done. Star Trek was phenomenal, um, but he doesn't – I don't know. I don't feel like he can quickly do character development. You know, it's in Lost, it took him several seasons to flesh out all the different characters. And we saw most of them from season one, episode one. And it took forever to kind of flesh that out. Um, and then you look at Star Trek and the only character he's really fleshed out is Kirk, and maybe a little bit of Spock. And he's had three movies to do that. So I, I, I don't know. I think Superman, if they want to do comics right, which DC's never announced that yet, um, but if they want to do movies right, then you've got to develop characters. They messed up with Justice League by not giving us character development. And now we have a four-hour reshoot <laughs> for character development. That that right now, DC has said, well, we're not going forward with any more of that storyline. It was out just this week that um, Snyder says his movie ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah, but we're never going to see the, the, the other foot drop. Like, what are you doing, DC? Like, you lost your marbles. You need to go find them. I yeah. guarantee you, they hit ratings on that thing. We'll, we'll see a sequel to it. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll give them a chance to kind of hold the presses. Let's rethink where we're going. 
But I, I thought Henry Cavill did a great job playing Superman. I, I enjoyed his version of Superman. I agree. Um, and speaking of which, real quick, if you're not watching it, this the Superman and Lois is off to a decent start. So I like it so far. So I will say, for me to watch that Superman movie, I need all five of you to give it two thumbs up, and then I'll watch it. <laughs> oh, don't no, don't do that for me because I go see everything anyway. <laughs> That's what it will take for Zach Sarver to watch it. We know as well. He's going to need you know to know that DC is not going to break his heart again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love. I mean, the Coates is involved gives me every aspiration that this will be a great script and a well-told story. I know Abrams can deliver, a, you know, if the script is good and he's only producing the movie, I know he can make the movie look and be good. I just, you know, again, I would rather them go and fix the original Superman first before we're introducing somebody else. And what are you bringing this character into? I don't think it's fair to this character or to Coates to bring somebody new into this mess right now. I think they got to establish Batman. I mean, they're making a new Batman movie, which isn't related to this universe. It's a whole nother universe. It's going to have a whole nother TV show rip off it. You know what I mean? But we don't have any idea, you know, who's playing Superman going forward or Batman in the regular DCU is Wonder Woman coming back because the reviews weren't that great. Uh, we have no idea what's going on. And I, you know, it's, it's, they're bringing coats in, they're bringing this new character in supposedly that might may or may not be played by Michael B. Jordan. And I just don't think it's really fair to them mm-hmm. to give them this kind of start in the middle of this mess. Meanwhile, we've got a suicide squad that people are excited about and we've got new gods that's somewhere on the horizon, you know, so DC is just this confused mess. That's a great way to put it, Mark. Yeah. yeah. Kurt's at least be respectful of the characters in the storylines. I mean, the, the, he'll do his research and he'll offer it up, but, and I don't, this is not against JJ Abrams either because the DC executives have consistently pulled the, pulled the power on the producers and pulled the power on the, on the writers and the directors. And I mean, they may even go back and removing Snyder and putting someone else in charge when you're three quarters of the way done. I, I just don't think they make good choices with their products. I don't think they'll be able to with Coates, though. I, I can't think of a writer that's got more pull or more respect at this point right now in general. I mean, I think I, I think they're going to ha- I think as part of like him agreeing to do this. He had to have carte blanche like to do whatever he wanted to do. And I believe that wholeheartedly. I was interested in seeing Coates do a Clark Kent story because I thought he could pull that mm. off. Yes. And I, I love what he did with Captain America. I was just really interested in like wow, this is a really, this is gonna be a really cool take on Superman, the classic Clark Kent. Let's see what he does, how he makes him relevant in today's world. I thought that that to me seemed really interesting. I'm not disappointed that it's a different character, but I, I just, I, to me, I would love to see someone like with, you know, Coates Chops take, you know, advantage or Tom Taylor or somebody like that write a script for Superman in the movies where we could have something stronger than what we've had. Because you know, he's to me, he doesn't seem like that hard a character to get right, but God, he hasn't been done right in a long time. <laughs> well, I think part of their problem is villains. You know, they they can't get the villain thing right. It's tough. It's tough to it's tough to create the villain world that DC has because they're all metahumans and just these crazy power creatures where Marvel's been able to 
draw human enemies and then see the power, see the power of the enemies amp up from there. They've been able to develop the enemy world as well. And DC's just kind of always got to jump into it in the deep end. And it's, it's tough. Well, Gene yeah, Hackman's still Joker, around, right? But it's uh, the Joker's a really hard one to mess up. Uh, Mike, you you in, you invoked the name of Zach Sarver earlier, and he he is now texting us as opposed to being on here. Um, but he he texted a uh, a tweet. Somebody said, and Tim will love this. Say a genuinely nice thing about the Star Wars prequels, and um, the director of um, the second and the last films, Johnson. Um, is it Rian Johnson? Ryan? Yeah. Okay. He said Lucas made a gorgeous seven hour long movie for children about how entitlement and fear of loss turns good people into fascists and did it while spearheading nearly every technical sea change in modern film art making in the past 30 years. And uh, Zach now said, the older I get, the more I appreciate the genius of the prequels. I'm not that old that yet. Way. <laughs> Well, I don't Space even think we're going to try to open that up. No, Zach's the one that's to mess with me. I didn't want to see that's what that is. Tim's face when I said all those words together. No, there, there were some moments of high quality in the prequels. I mean, I, I but I, I think that um, I enjoyed them. I mean, they're part of the storyline. I knew they were finishing off the Anakin Skywalker Darth Vader storyline, and I kind of knew that. Um, we'll have to do a I, whole new episode on this just for 10 yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah, let's not dive into that. But I'll, fi- I'll say one more thing. You brought well, up the Batman. Misa, Misa, Jar Jar Banks thing because you and me are going to roll. <laughs> He's an Obi-Wan. Um, but uh, Mark, Mark, you brought up the Batman film. I'm actually kind of looking forward to it despite the fact that we made the joke about sparkly Batman and all when we heard that Robert Pattinson was playing him. Um, just because the trailer, the one thing that's always bothered me about Batman films, and I've say, say, said it a lot, is the way Batman fights in the movies. It, it, this is the first time I've ever seen, like, that kind of was the closest you would see in a combat situation where somebody is actually holding a weapon on you. You wouldn't, like, flash around or throw elbows or do what it, the, you know whatever he did in uh, the Dark Knight films. He literally hits him in the head a bunch of times until that dude is incapacitated well you got a small taste of that in batman superman yeah unseen and everyone that made everyone go the warehouse fight scene yeah like wow we're finally we're finally getting that character i I think every person that was making fun of that casting not not one of them will say anything bad about it after they see the movie that's that's my gut feeling yeah i agree with that and i'm looking fine i didn't mean to to say I wasn't looking forward to the movie, I am. But just the fact that it doesn't tie into anything else. That yeah, it's just dangling out there. Yeah, yeah it's just that's why I want to see it. By the way, yeah, the, <laughs> the idea that DC is asking us to invest in something that right now has no future is that's hard. Yeah. yeah, and never and Mark, don't ever like I I didn't think you were thinking that. I mean, and guys, don't ever apologize for anything you say on here. Cause I probably say stuff at least five times an episode. That's probably going to come back and bite us in the butt 10 years from now. When we try to get Robert, <laughs> when we try to get Robert Pattinson on here and he's like, didn't you say something <laughs> Batman? No, I just, I just love him in Harry Potter. Potter. He was great in Harry Potter. All right. <laughs> I that endearingly. 
No, I just wanted to clarify. I think the movie looks great. I think this, you know, the script's going to be good. I love the way it looks. I mean, I love the orange tint and all the stuff that they have going on with the movie, but um, just DC, man, you know, here in the, again, in the middle of the universe, when they have this whole justice league, they have all these things they've kind of half started and then to just kind of make a diversion to a whole different Batman universe, just, you know, and then to do it again with Superman, it just seems like they are right. all over the place. It really is heartbreaking. Yeah, well, maybe, it really is. Well, maybe they're about to shift gears because they're in a contract with HBO for the Green Lantern series. Yep. Um, and HBO is not going to spend the kind of money that they've just spent and they're about to spend without seriously investing in the future of that product. You know, and they, they're they a juggernaut when it comes to putting out series. And I, I think that the Green Lantern series, whenever it hits – will be the first measurement of how seriously DC is taking continuity and storylines moving forward. And they have a real opportunity there. And maybe they just, they're on the hook for the, the expenditures and the budget they've already spent on these current projects. Um, but it's time to kind of hit the pause button, flesh out some storylines and go forward from there. As long yeah, as it's you. not like the Grant Morrison run, I'll be okay. <laughs> I think somebody made the point last week that DC does really well with TV shows, but hasn't been able to bring it to the screen. It's like somehow somebody ought to be able to make that happen. Now they're going to make the movie screw up the TV shows too. <laughs> but but, but does, does it feel like, and maybe you guys know the answer to this. It feels to me there's some other gatekeeper to like the Batman side of DC that like lets them use Batman a little bit, but they don't let any of that mess infiltrate the Batman movies themselves. It feels very much like, like how would you make this movie at this point with what you're doing and not incorporate it into what you're doing unless someone was like, nah, we're good over here. We're going to make this. You can put him in your little Justice League movie and whoever can play him, but we have our thing that we know is going to be good and we have a plan to make a couple of these and we don't want you to, we don't want your grime on this. That's the way I feel about it. kind Because of, the tone of that is completely separate from what I'm seeing in the other DC movies. No, I think it's a good point. And they're not going to screw Batman up. And, it, and he's, you know, I, the number one superhero, right? He's the most marketable one. He's basically all DC's got, you know, right now, the strongest thing that he's got, they've got for sure. And, uh, you know, they <laughs> they figured out that he could make a lot of money and they could make a whole universe around that with their TV shows and everything else. And they're not going to give that up for sure. That's a, you, right. you walk into a comic book store and there are 14 Batman books, you know, on the on the wall that are current, you know, that yeah. don't connect to each other, you know, so. That's because Batman is the most relatable character they have to the common man. I just want to throw out there that like the the video game I'm most excited for uh, this year is Gotham Knights, which is a Batman. It looks it looks. I don't know how they do that so well because there's a lot of storytelling that goes into that too. They they do those so well, and if you haven't seen the trailer for that and you don't like video games, it'll probably make you want to play one. <laughs> Would anybody be interested in seeing the Pattinson movie tie in with the Joaquin Phoenix Joker? Ooh. Yeah. Being as a two totally separate entities, completely off the map, somehow intertwined those two. And now we have something I'd be willing to watch. 
I've no, been I, I thought about that. I, I finally watched that Joker movie like two weeks ago. And I was thinking about the tie into Robert Pattinson and I'm, I don't, it would be really interesting, but I wonder if there isn't too far of an age gap there, but that wasn't the case with the first Batman with Michael Keaton and Nick and Jack Nicholas, where they, mm-hmm. there was a huge age gap there. So it could be really interesting. Yeah. That'd be fun. You know, cause we've only seen the origin Joker story now at this point. <laughs> I really, I really don't want to pick on you, but I kind of want to pick on you because you said Jack Nicholas. Nicholas so, I was imagining like the Joker playing. <laughs> that would be a much bigger age gap for sure. Remember about four minutes ago when Gary said we're going to suffer for the things we say on here years down the road. I, I had those gas every episode because I talk so much. But that's an amazing one. That's a really good one. <laughs> Keep running with it. Pay attention to the names I say. So we so we will sign off tonight with everybody thinking about Jack Nicholas as the Joker. <laughs> I think our I think our gap episode uh, between WandaVision ending and uh, Winter Soldier starting up, we should do an episode where Mark explains Grant Morrison's Green Lantern to me because I have no clue what's going on. In that me moment. either. It, I, I, to me, well, <laughs> we can definitely do that and have a lot of fun. I'll just. I, <laughs> Nothing be any different no than what happened. I think we should have Dustin read it to us. <laughs> and his black cardigan. <laughs> All right, gang. So tune back in next week when WandaVision will have resolved at least somewhat enough for us to talk about the series. So we think. Right. <laughs> and that's Pulp Revelators for this evening. Good night and good luck. <laughs> <laughs>